I want to bring a message tonight. The original title was The Invalid Rates, Irates, and Iconium. But I kind of started going a different direction. The Lord put on my heart. And the message is following Christ in an anti-Christian age. Following Christ in an anti-Christian age. If you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, actually last week, we talked about the strenuous nature of the 90-mile trek from Antioch, Poseidon, down to Iconium. We talked about through the mountain ranges they had to go, uh, probably on a well-traveled Roman road that connected Ephesus to these cities. Uh, It was an ideal center for church planning. Uh, Several great roads would intersect one another here. Uh, The very name of the city Iconium uh, was pagan, and it speaks of idols. And Caesar said of this city... The Gauls are fickle in their resolve, fond of change, and not to be trusted. And so this was a pagan city, one that was not to be trusted. And uh, we see, though, it was an influential one, and they had become successful. Uh, but we see today in our country, America is becoming a nation also of idolatry and spiritual darkness. I think some of it is magnified due to social media we can see much more than what we maybe we, we used to be able to see on the news and, and whatnot. And sometimes we don't always know what's true and what's not. But we do know America is becoming a dark nation. But the gospel is still the power of God uh, for salvation to everyone who believes. Uh, conversation and ideas with people who subscribe to many woke philosophies, as we're seeing on a weekly, even daily basis, have reached far beyond even racism and inequality, and including social justice, and economic philosophies, and then LGBTQ uh, acceptance. And we wonder sometimes, where is our country going? I know many of you have been around much longer than me, have seen it change, I'm sure, even more than I have. I was doing a study recently on Clackamas County, and the population is 421,401. And it's Oregon's third most populous county that we live in, most of us. It's 17% claimed to be evangelical Protestant of the people here. So 1.7 of every 10 people are evangelical. Uh, 29% claim to be religiously affiliated. Of course, Mormonism is one of the top ones, LDS and the Jehovah Witness and, and others as well. But 42% claim to be atheist. And so we see this morning that this evening... That this begs the question, how do you and I follow Christ and minister in an anti-Christian age? Now, we may not always feel this. Some maybe more than others, depending on where you work and how often you're out in the community. But we see more and more people are against Jesus Christ. And tonight we see another city that responded quickly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately... There was another group of people that responded in a negative way. And so tonight, if you're writing, I want us to see four things. And then I want us to see four, uh, I guess you can say, summaries from each point that I hope will help us as we follow Christ in an anti-Christian age. I know, if you're like me, sometimes you wonder, will we face persecution? And of course you wonder, is it when we share Christ, is it, is it going to get harder? Is it going to be difficult? And What about our safety? But I do believe if we learn from Paul and Barnabas tonight, we can see how to respond in different situations. And I believe God can allow us to be even more effective 
as we seek to minister to this area in the upcoming year. Number one, if you're writing, we see the eagerness of the Greeks. The eagerness of the Greeks. And then we see also the error of the Jews. So the eagerness of the Greeks, the error of the Jews. And the stages of this missionary journey are becoming consistent. Paul and Barnabas will go and preach in a synagogue and then will get rejected. They'll appeal to the Gentiles and many will receive and also some Jews will be receptive. And then we see a little nucleus of believers being formed. And that is what has happened so far in this missionary journey. In every area, a little nucleus is being formed. And then the Jews will disturb and, and rise up and try to make something happen. Verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. And so we see the acceptance of the Jews in verse number 1. That a great multitude of Jews and also of Greeks believed. And praise the Lord for that. I think we all get excited when people turn to Christ. Do we not? It's an exciting thing. It's a wonderful thing when the gospel is preached and those received. And so we see the acceptance of the Jews. But then, second of all, we see the effect of the Jewish leaders. The effect of the Jewish leaders. And some of this will be similar to last week. And it's interesting because there's 90 miles apart, so I doubt it was the same Jews as perhaps in Thessalonica and Berea, the same Jews that kind of stirred up. These are a totally different group of Jews, 90 miles away, but the same prejudice is in them. They do not believe the Gentiles should be able to accept Christ. The Bible says, but the unbelieving Jews, they provoked at the success of the gospel. Uh, They tried to put a stop to its progress, and the word unbelieving is the Greek word apatheo, which means stubborn, stiff-necked attitude. In other words, disbelief manifests itself in disobedience. Isn't that the case? When you don't believe something, you don't succumb to it. And we see disobedience coming. In John 3, verse 36, Jesus said that he that believeth uh, 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 not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And Spiritual opposition oftentimes in satanic forces can counter in, or specialize in counter evangelism. And perhaps you've seen that as you've gone and tried to share the gospel of Jesus. Luke chapter 8 verse 11, Jesus Christ gives the parable about the seed of the sower that went out and the seed is the word of God. The Bible says, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil the Bible says in verse 12, And taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And we see this evening that Satan hates the gospel. He hates genuine preaching of the gospel. And he will never let it go unchallenged. So the Bible says they were unbelieving Jews. But the Bible also says they stirred up the Gentiles. They stirred up the Gentiles. And they didn't just find uh, uh, just anyone. They found the heathen ones, the Gentiles that would not respond to Paul. And they get them on their side. And it's kind of interesting. These Jews would have never wanted to be caught dead with these people in any other setting. But when they needed some help to put some force back against Paul and Barnabas, they go to the heathen. They go to the Gentiles who they would not want to associate for any other way. But they'll get together when it comes to fighting back against the gospel. I remember a few weeks ago, it's interesting how the Jews can get so upset sometimes by the name of Jesus Christ. I shared with you several months ago, I was praying at the Capitol, and the one person who came up to me and challenged me afterwards, I would have thought it was any number of different people. But the one person interesting was a senator who's a Jew. And she was not happy. And she let me have it for about 10 minutes. 
And, uh, of course, I calmly sat there and listened and smiled and said, well, thank you, but I still love Jesus Christ. (laughs) And I'm not changing the fact that people need to hear about Jesus and what he did for me. And so we see even to this day, Jews sometimes get very upset and we see that they stirred up the Gentiles. They made their minds evil, the Bible said. Literally, they caused their mind to think evil. And isn't it true that unbelief oftentimes likes company? Darrell Bach says this interesting thing about minds. He said, the psyche and the Greek can refer to feelings, emotions, and judgments of a person. So that matches the idea of how the soul controls the thinking of a person. So what's interesting here is the Jews here not just stirred up strife, but they got these Gentiles, they got these other Jews to actually think and get upset and then react. It's almost like a mob here. We've seen this happen, I'm sure, on YouTube videos or on social media. You'll see how people incite stuff and get these mobs going. And they don't even know sometimes why they're getting all upset. And that's what happens. So they stirs their mind up and their minds become affected. They irritated them. They exasperated them. Jack Andrews gives this illustration. He says, almost all poisonous snakes have what we call hematox poison. And hematox poison, if you know anything about snakes, goes straight to the bloodstream and attacks the blood. But he says this, he says there's one snake that is different. And I believe he is kin to the old serpent Satan. The king cobra snake has what we call neurotoxin poison. When a king cobra bites an animal or a person, the poison goes straight to their mind. It poisons the mind and paralyzes the mind. It affects the whole person. And in a sense, that's what these Jews did. Uh, Through Satan's influence, no doubt, they penetrated the very minds of these people. And after hearing the gospel and many responding, the others responded a different way. That's how wicked and that's how Satan often works. Uh, Paul and Barnabas were not met with outright opposition at first, like in Antioch. Of course, in Antioch, they had to flee. But this was different. This was a subtle This was a stirring. This was a behind the scenes. This was an evil rippling, if you will, that came about. It wasn't a fist. It wasn't a sword. It it wasn't even a shield. It wasn't even soldiers. It was a battle of the minds. And so Paul and Barnabas get hit, if you will, with their first pushback. The Jews, their hatred of the Gentiles. A greater hatred of the apostles. May I say, Satan has... Different bag of trips, tricks, does he not? But it's interesting because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Paul knew what Satan's pushback was, his devices were. So do you and I, probably. Do we not know what gets us discouraged sometimes? Do we not know sometimes what keeps us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. And Satan knows how to use those things. And so I see, first of all, number one, my first synopsis, conclusion, of how we can live, how we can follow Christ in an anti-Christian society. The gospel will be accepted, but the gospel will also be rejected. May I say the gospel will always be accepted, but the gospel will also be rejected. Therefore, don't get discouraged if the gospel gets rejected. 
So we see, first of all, we saw the eagerness of the Greeks. We saw the error of the Jews. But second of all, tonight, I want us to see the enduring of the apostles. The enduring of the apostles. What's interesting to me is in uh, uh, Antioch of Poseidon, they laughed right away. But that's not what happened in this particular story. We see they responded a little bit differently. We see the enduring of the apostles in verse 3 through their settling the Bible says, long time therefore abode. Paul and Barnabas are speaking boldly in the Lord. Robertson says it could have been up to six months. What a difference. Why did Paul and Barnabas flee in Poseidon? But in Iconium, they decided to stay for a long time and stand up to this. What was the difference? Well, Jack Andrews says effective ministry takes time. We must stay where God wants as long as God wants us. Many would have thought these apostles should have withdrawn or hastened out of the way. Maybe even preach cautiously. That makes sense. But the exact opposite happened. We see they preached the gospel to arouse persecution, but it also brought on perseverance, boldness. It brought a continual dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Instead of causing them to flee to another area, it actually inspired them. It actually intimidated the Jews, and it inspired the apostles. Tucson said this, it may indicate that the opposition was an evidence of God's working in the hearts of the people. It actually could have been opening up more doors. And Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 16. I think it's there on the screen, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. It, it's just interesting to me that Paul and Barnabas, though they were getting pushback, they were, they were getting persecution, though, though they were in harm's way, they decided instead to stay and stand for truth. They decided to uh, continue to preach the gospel. They preached the grace of Jesus along the same way they were relying on the grace of Jesus. Tony Merida said they preached about the grace of Jesus while they relied on the grace of Jesus. And he reminds us of what it is like without Jesus in John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. In other words, without Jesus, the Bible says, ye can do nothing. But with Jesus, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, and in reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses. For when, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, there am I strong. So Paul and Barnabas are responding differently here than they did in Poseidon. Perhaps he's living out what he commanded Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Be thou therefore ashamed, be, there, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me of his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Also in 2 Timothy 2, 1, thou therefore my son be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. What? was with Paul. What caused them to be strong? Because they knew what the Great Commission said. 
Lo, I am with you always. So we see a settling here. Paul and Barnabas aren't tucking tail and running, aren't running out like Poseidon. Now, I do believe there's a difference. And Poseidon, they were actually going to be killed. They got expelled. They got pushed out. They They had no choice but to leave. But here, there wasn't anything physical yet. It was all verbal. It was all stirring. It was a fear factor. It was... Uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, the heathen ones, if you will, were stirring up and saying all these things, but nothing physical was happening yet. And Paul and Barnabas must have had the discernment from the Holy Spirit to realize it's okay to keep staying strong. They keep saying all these things, but they're not doing anything. I just, I just believe tonight that we too need to stand for truth. I'm not necessarily saying we need to put ourselves in harm's way. But we still need to take a stand. People are going to say things. People are going to insinuate things. Uh, you may even get an email or a text or something that is a little rough or maybe someone yells an insult. But hey, just stand strong. Keep on telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see through their settling, but second of all, we see uh, from the apostles, they're speaking in verse number 3. They, spoke, they speaking boldly in the Lord. They knew the need was great. They trusted the Lord and continued to preach on, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Ephesians 6, verse number 18. Uh, Paul, the great apostle. I mean, missionary journeys. The one who was willing to go to all these cities and face all these people. He said this to the church of Ephesus. Praying always with all prayer and supplication and spirit. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Even the apostle, the great apostle Paul, has the church of Ephesus praying for him so that he can be bold. Uh, let me just say this tonight. If you feel a little shy sometimes, you're in good company. <laughs> The Apostle Paul felt that way too. I think sometimes we think great soul owners or great ministry people or great preachers or great missionaries must just be this supernatural superman. No, no, no. We're human beings like everyone else that we need God's power more than anything. And God, of course, gives us that boldness. The Bible says there in the Lord, the missionaries were speaking boldly. But what's interesting, the Bible says in verse number three that they spoke boldly, what are those next three words, in the Lord. They knew they weren't speaking boldly on their own. The Lord was helping them. I don't know how many times I've shared the gospel or tried to minister to someone or I've been in a hospital room with someone who's just not doing well and I just don't know what to say. And I just say, Lord, please help me. Sometimes things will come out and it's like, wow, where did that come from? Well, I can tell you it came from the Lord. And so we see tonight through their speaking, but then last of all, we see through their signs in verse 3. And granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And what's interesting here, because Paul and Barnabas are willing to speak, are willing to settle in, we see that God is able to do more miracles through them. The Bible says, granted signs and wonders. This was used to confirm the faith of the new converts. Of course, in the New Testament, we see this. And to prevail with many others to receive the gospel. 
Warren Worsby said this, uh, Faith is not based on miracles, but faith can sure be bolstered by miracles. Isn't that the case? Though we don't have the ability to perform signs and miracles today, I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit still at work. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit comforts and testifies of Christ in our life. John 16, verse 8, the Bible says, He reproves the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He convicts. I say, though, Jesus Christ also saves. He quickens. He makes alive. Larkin says, Bold perseverance in the face of hostility is as much an evidence of the power of God as the great numbers who came to Christ. Uh, Paul writes about this in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. He says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now when they saw the boldness, verse number 13, of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. There's something about someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's boldly speaking the gospel. People can see a difference. Boldness and courage through the Holy Spirit can make a difference. I remember uh, being in Honduras a couple years ago and getting the privilege of riding with John Nelms and my father and Brother Mutchler and we were driving all these different places and it would take just a few minutes and he'd say, see that over there? Let me tell you about a time and he'd tell the story and I'd just be sitting there thinking, oh Lord have mercy, I'm glad you're with me and I'm not alone, you know. He would talk about these stories about how the cartels would, would travel after him and, and how he'd be up in the middle of the mountain and I'd think, man, he's going to die and, and he's still living. And, and it's just amazing to see how God had taken care of him. And I just say tonight that there's something about someone who's ready, willing to settle in, speak the truth, but also allowing God to work through them. But what's interesting tonight is first of all, we see the gospel will be accepted, the gospel will also be rejected. But second of all, when rejection comes, remain strong. When rejection comes, remain strong. But third of all tonight, I want us to see that it doesn't always mean that we stay. Sometimes God moves us in another area to minister. We see the eruption of the Jews. We see through division. The Bible says in verse number 4, but the multitude of the city was divided, in part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And the gospel is divisive. Now, Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew 12, verse number 30, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So we don't know how many were with the Jews. We don't know how many were the apostles. But most likely, as we see the devout and the leaders of the city were probably, the religious light were probably with the Jews, even some of the Gentiles, but those who were with Paul Marnus were probably some of the lower class, and so it probably wasn't an even fight. But we see there's division. We see there was a destroying, verse 5, and when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. And so we see they wanted to expose them to disgrace and then put them to death. Wow. 
starting to intensify. So now it's not just some subtle words. It's not just some made-up stories. It's not just some accusation. It's not just some, some, some insults and, and some yelling and some racial slurs. Or It's not just some mocking. No, now it's becoming a, a level up. And there's starting to be some physical force here. And may I say the world is still at enmity against Christ and those who follow him. First John 4, 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we see tonight, we see the gospel will be accepted, the gospel will be rejected. Second of all, when rejection comes, remain strong. Third of all, the gospel is divisive. And the enemy wants to destroy it and those who proclaim it. And then last of all, number four, I want us to see the exit of the apostles. Even the apostles, as bold as they were, as much as they settled in, they preached and God used that. Many signs and wonders. Others came to Christ and God was using that. But now the apostles do move on. There's a certain timing here. There's a right time to move. There's a right time to stay. We see through the awareness, verse number 6, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe and cities of Lycaonia and unto the region that lieth around. Somehow they had received intelligence, prevented the bloody attempt by fleeing. We say, well, how in the world did they hear? The Bible doesn't say. But I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit figured out a way to let them know. Of course, should they have stayed? Perhaps Jesus would have told him in a vision, as he had told Paul to come to Macedonia in the first place, later on. And so they became aware of it. They became aware that, hey, just like you were expelled out of Poseidon, Antioch, you better leave because they're going to come, they're going to kill you. They're not just hurling insults anymore. They're not just mocking anymore. They're, they're not just making fun. No, they're actually come for blood. Jack Andrews says, in some way God made it known to the servants the plot of the people. And Tony Marita says, in this act of relocating, we should notice a combination of prudence and perseverance. He says this of Paul and Barnabas, they were brave, but not stupid. And fleeing danger, they lived to preach another day. By the way, God will give you that wisdom, James 1.5. If any of you lack of wisdom, let him ask of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, Paul relates this to Timothy's experience here. He says, But thou hast fully known my, verse number 11, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. It's interesting here. The Bible says he flees out of Lystra, then Derby, and then the region that lay around Lycaonia. And here's where I thought it got really interesting. Uh, Gangle says this flight was more than just geographical. It was political in terms of boundary. In other words, Paul and Barnabas just didn't go to another city and the same province. They went to another city and another area, another country. Literally, they crossed from one political region to another. I've seen this happen sometimes. Even Brother Nelms has shared this and other missionaries, how they live in a strategic place where they can go to different countries. It gets heated here, it gets hot, and they're starting to figure it out, let's go to this other area. 
And that's what's happening here. Paul and Barnabas are being strategic. They're not just going to another city just because. They're going to another city and to another geographical boundary, another political boundary where they may not get as much pushback. And the Jews and the religious leaders and the influenced people, the chief uh, city, uh, chief directors and, and the devout woman, uh, all those influential people, they have no power, no authority in this other area. And so Paul and Barnabas move on. Matthew 10, verse number 16, Jesus tells his apostles this very thing. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. I mean, I say today, we too must be wise as serpents when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also must be harmless as doves. We also must beware of men and women. We have to make sure we don't put ourselves necessarily in a, in a position that's Hurt, we also got to be wise. And thus fleeing from their persecutors, they followed their master's advice who directed them when persecuted in one city to flee to another. David Jeremiah said this, Leaving Iconium was not cowardice, but prudence. They wouldn't be able to minister anywhere if they were badly injured or killed in stoning, so they took the path of safety. Kent Hughes said this, Paul and Barnabas were brave but not foolish. They were born again, not born yesterday. The Lord protects his children, but he wants us to use common sense. It reminds me of the, of the Westerns. I, I, I enjoy watching Westerns, and, and you watch sometimes this, these men who try to clean up a whole town by themselves, and, and how it seems like, you know, they just they could get the bad guy, but it ends up, it's not time yet. I tell my boy, we still have an hour left in the movie. All right, something's going to happen. All right, and then with about you know two minutes left in the movie, what happens? It's that time, and they have to be willing to to, to duck and run, and then then they take a stand, and and most of the time they get the girl, and the movie's over. All right, the end. You know, Paul and Barnabas knew when to walk away, and knew when to run. The opposition came to a head and it was time to move on down the road to the next city. And may I say tonight, I believe God's planted us here for a reason. I'm not saying that it's time for us all to move on. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying there's times maybe when we share the gospel and persecution comes and, and, and we're wise about it and, and we find another opportunity to share the gospel again. And we, we don't, in other words, allow fear to keep us from doing what God's called us to do. We'd be wise. We'd be smart. But we continue to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about the vision for the new year. We'll, we'll, we'll get to see what God's done this year and what God's done through the many years here at Grandview Baptist Church. We're so thankful for that as we celebrate 40 years in September. We're so excited about that. Well, may I say there's more people for God to have us reach. There's more people in this area. And I know, if you're not careful, I've been guilty of this. I know I'm the pastor. I, I should have it all figured out, but I've been guilty of being fearful sometimes. I, I, I've wondered. I've watched the news. I've watched uh, social media. I've watched all that and think, oh, no. But you know what? De the devil knows how to subtly play with our mind, does he not? He knows how to get us discouraged. He knows how to get us off track. But may we stay focused on what God has for us. May we be intent on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and Though the, hurt, hurt, the insults come in and 
though people say things and, and maybe uh, they're hurtful things and maybe they mock and though they made fun. And I often thought, you know what? You would love me if I was giving out ice cream right now, you know. And, and you wonder, why, why would they be so mean? May I say that there's someone that God has for you to tell about Jesus. Just keep on going on. And so we see, last of all, through anticipation, look at verse number 7. What did they do when they left? They hid. They went into a bunker. And they never were heard from again. No, no, no. The Bible says, and there they preached the gospel. The church was still increased by the very methods taken to destroy it. So in conclusion, four uh, really kind of phrases I have. Number one, the gospel will be accepted here, everywhere, but the gospel will also be rejected here and everywhere. Number two, when rejection comes, remain strong. Number three, the gospel is certainly divisive. We know that. The enemy wants to destroy it. And the enemy also wants to destroy those who proclaim it. But number four, as David Jeremiah said, leaving Iconium was not cowardice on their part, but prudence. So, in, in, in conclusion, God has a shelter for his people in a storm. He is and will be their hiding place. Aren't you thankful for that? In times of persecution, believers may see cause to quit a spot, though they did not quit their master's work. I remember years ago, we were supporting a missionary uh, by the name of Matt Lindquist, and he, uh, he came to our church and, and was just doing a great job in China, and then he wrote back and, and uh, he says, well, I, I have to leave China. Of course, China was closed and, and uh, um, they couldn't stay. And so they left. And I said, well, what is your plan? He says, well, I'm still going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to Africa. He says, in Africa, the Lord has opened up a door and I already have some people I'm working with and I'm going to start a church and I'm going to start more churches in Africa. What did he do? Though the door was closed where he was, He did not quit sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so may I encourage you tonight, as you minister in an anti-Christian culture, whether we like it or not, that's where we're leaning as a country. May I encourage us to still follow Christ in an anti-Christian age. And may we continue to see God do great things in the weeks, months, and years to come. And may we remember that, lo, I am with you always even into the end of the world. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Maybe there's someone here tonight that have forgotten that there's eagerness in people's heart to hear about Jesus. Though there's error out there and people try to squelch it, there's an eagerness. May we continue to share the gospel, whether it's accepted or whether it's rejected. We see the enduring of the apostles They decided to settle in. They didn't let insults and they didn't let uh, mean words and mean things. They didn't let mocking. They didn't uh, let uh, uh, fear keep them. They settled in. They spoke boldly. And they continued to allow God to use them. And because of that, we see the gospel will be accepted, the gospel rejected. But when rejection comes, remain strong. We saw the eruptions of the Jews through division, through destroying. But... Even though the gospel is divisive and the enemy wants to destroy it, may we continue to proclaim it. And then we saw the exit of the apostles through their awareness and through their anticipation.
which shows us that leaving Iconium was not cowardice on their part, but prudence. However, they continued to minister and serve the Lord where God had continued to place them. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, Pastor Justin, I'm with you. There's been seasons where I felt a little bit fearful or I've wondered what tomorrow will hold or I wonder what it's going to look like down the road for our children or or our grandchildren. And and there's times where it's caused me to become discouraged and, and not really minister effectively like I should. And God challenged my heart tonight to be like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and respond in an anti-Christian culture. Will you pray for me tonight, Pastor? Will you help me with that? That's you. Will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see the hands. Maybe there's someone tonight that uh, 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 you have gone silent and maybe the Lord touched your heart to continue to minister. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I'm just carrying a burden. I'm just trying to get through today, tomorrow, and I'm dealing with some things in my life and and I know this is our core. Most of you are very faithful to church. But how many, maybe that's you tonight. You say, Pastor Justin, I have something I'm dealing with, something I'm going through. That's hard. Will you pray for me? If that's you tonight, will you slip your hand? I want to pray for you. Lord, you see the hands, you know the hearts. And Lord, I, maybe this message was just for me tonight. Lord, I know I needed this. It, it really helped me this week. And Lord, I, I, not because of me, Lord, just because of the truth. And Lord, I pray you'll help us in an anti-Christian area. I I think we can say that. Lord, how to follow you, how to serve you. And may you give us the strength. May you give us the courage. May you give us the wisdom to know what to say, when to say it. Uh, May you help us as we seek to minister, Lord, sometimes in a very difficult area. But Lord, it's very evident, as we saw this morning, Lord, hundreds of people came this week into church, Lord. People are hungry for you. People want to know the truth. And may we continue to get out there and do something about it. I pray you give us strength, give us courage we need. Be with those who are bearing burdens, as mentioned tonight. Some are dealing with some hard stuff, and I pray you help them. We sure do love you, Lord. Bless this invitation time. Lord, may we respond as you'd have us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet tonight, the piano's going to play. May you respond to the message as God would have you to. The altar's open. Uh, Maybe you'd like to pray. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to uh, 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 take that next step in baptism or join the church. Or maybe you'd like to just spend a minute there in your pew. May I encourage you to respond to the message as God would have you tonight as the piano plays. God bless you. you. may be seated. Thank you for your faithfulness tonight, as was mentioned earlier. Appreciate it. We have a quick video we want to share with you, some upcoming events, and then we'll be on our way tonight.
your calendars for the Christmas Eve candlelight service that will take place on Sunday, December 24th at 5 p.m. Join us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Please note that there will not be an 8.30 service on Christmas Eve. Seniors, don't miss our upcoming activities for the Best Years Club. Don't miss the bus to PIR Christmas lights on Thursday, December 14th. We'll leave the church at 5 p.m. on our new 48-passenger shuttle bus. We will sing carols, wear Christmas sweaters, and dinner will be provided. The cost is $10 per person. You can sign up for this and all other Best Years Club activities on the sign-up sheet at the welcome desk. Hi, folks. There are several ministries you can get plugged into here at Grandview Baptist Church. One of our most important ministries is the First Impressions team. We want every guest to feel welcomed as soon as they come on this property. Would you consider being a part of one of our greeter teams? There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Would you consider signing up today? Make plans to join us for an exciting Share the Vision service on Sunday morning, January 7th with Pastor Justin, who will share goals and exciting plans for the new year. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you'll receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Okay, God bless you. Get some rest. You are dismissed.